Hey friends, welcome to Take the Stage, the opera podcast. Today we are talking with a financial coach who is an artist himself and encourages other artists to change their mindset about money. We often have the assumption that we are meant to be poor and to struggle, and certainly we have all wallowed in that lifestyle a fair bit. But Brian Witkowski from The Lucrative Artist is here to tell us that no matter your background, there is a way to take small, actionable steps to take control of your finances. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo. So I'm here with my co-host, Evan. Evan, how are you doing today? I'm great. And who are you? You didn't even say who you are. My name is Mariah. Hi, Mariah. Nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) So the other night, um, Hannah, my wife, and I were just sitting in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, (laughs) Mariah comes up from her... My dungeon. Her dungeon, and she's like, okay, we're going to read tarot cards. (laughs) And she's got like the salt can or salt crystal, a salt lamp, and she's got like candles, candles and lavender burning incense things, <laughs> and she puts this scarf over her head only because Hannah asked me to. Yeah, no, that's true. And we sit on the floor, and Mariah pulls out her tarot cards and an app too. Because app, she's a I'm, pretend witch. I'm not pretend. I'm just a baby witch. <laughs> she's a, a a witch in residency in learning. Yeah, so witch in training. And um, it was actually like the coolest thing. Thank I, you. I didn't know. <laughs> like when you do tarot cards. When you think of tarot cards, you kind of think like, oh, it's this like mystic woman who's going to tell you your future. Yes. And really what it is is almost like questions. They're like prompts. Prompts that get you thinking about your life, what you value and what you're afraid of. It's like a meditation. Yes, yes, that's what I use them for is to meditate. And they are just like really good prompts to help you think about maybe what your subconscious or unconscious self is really feeling and thinking. And it's just a time to like settle down and not you know your conscious self has so many things going at you all the time and so when you sit down with tarot cards it gives you very specific prompts to think about that you know just help you be concise in your in your thinking and pondering and and meditating and all all those words (laughs) it was awesome i would 10 for 10 recommend it but only if you have a good witch like mariah yeah, so hit me up. I'm on Instagram as Curly Coloratura. No, I'm just kidding. But actually, I would if you are interested because I love tarot readings. Well, I think we're ready now to introduce our guest. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Great. How about you? You know, it's been a rough week, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I'm doing, you know, as good as I can be. So. Mariah found out that she's got some vocal with some health issues in her throat. So that's going to take some time to resolve, I think. Yeah, it's just like some post nasal drip thing that 
has been happening for two years that we're just kind of now figuring out. So I'm sorry to hear. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. Oh, thank you. Singer life, <laughs> singer life, the things we worry about. Meanwhile, I've had probably the best week in a while doing my own singing in my home. So Yay! Yeah. That's amazing. Well, no, you have to celebrate those good those good things that you get to do. So are you still singing quite a bit yourself? Well, COVID aside, you know, I actually might have had it twice. So it's like I haven't <gasps> been singing much the past year. I was really sick a year ago and I could not know if I had it. Yeah. And then had it last <gasps> fall and it just kind of lingered on a little bit. So just getting my breath stamina and stuff back has been kind of a tall order, but not anything out of, not anything too challenging still. I, you, you know, when people say they're having trouble, you know, I'm living proof. I understand what they're going through. That's actually but, my story, too. I had what we think was COVID a year ago, but there wasn't testing available. So I had to have a fever at the right time to prove you might have exactly. it. Exactly. It was kind of funny. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There, I was like, I have every single thing except for fever. And they were like, we won't test you. <laughs> yep. I was like, I can't breathe. <laughs> it's devastating for singers. Yeah. Well... Um, we're excited to introduce Brian. Brian Woodkowski is the founder and CEO of The Lucrative Artist, and he provides business coaching to artists, helping them better their relationship with money, which we all know we need to work on that relationship. <laughs> and he works to help people grow their sales and skills and figure out what they are most meant to sell, which, by the way, we're all selling something. <laughs> he is a, yeah. he not is, just the people singing the figure aria. Exactly. Yeah. He is also a classical singer, as he mentioned, and an actor and voice teacher. And we're excited to have him here today because he espouses a lot of our beliefs that there's not one specific way to learn about finances. So, Brian, to get started, we'd like to hear how you got started as a business coach for artists. Yeah. So it's an interesting story. I got tired of trying to become a professor when there's literally not enough professor jobs around. You know, and a few years ago, I worked with a coach myself and kind of Wanted to figure out how I can take everything I've learned and experienced and, you know, help other artists and went through my own share of financial trauma, let's just say, and, you know, learned some different lessons and worked with this coach. And I learned about my own relationship with money and learned how my spending habits and so forth. I thought I, I found out like I just was able to, how can I put this? Um, I found out I was like, I just gave in and just thought I had to starve and had to be this person who didn't make any money as a singer or actor or anything. And I had to just take, you know, all these crappy paying jobs or keep doing the pay to sings and not stand up for my worth and not charge what I could as a singer, as well as as a voice teacher and so forth. So I basically really wanted to step down this work and help more people have a more empowered relationship with money and not be afraid to earn more and sell what they're most meant to sell. Isn't that funny how we almost feel like it's a noble calling to be poor and to be (laughs) destitute? Yeah. And I found really interesting, like right now, I read this recent study that people who've been born from 1980 onward actually have less wealth collectively than the previous generations at this point in their lives. And oh, I'm sure. just, I wonder if there's going to be a study where, you know, is that even how much worse that could be for people in the arts? Because it sometimes it seems like we've normalized literally falling off the financial cliff and just letting everything go financially for the sake of your career. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so let's jump right into that because one thing that I've heard you talk about is, you know, we we as artists, we might feel like if we're developing other skills and habits, focusing on our finances or maybe focusing on our health or our mental well-being, whatever it is, that we're not spending enough time developing our craft. What would you say to that? Yeah, I used to have teachers who literally told me that. 
And I, if I could go back in time and tell them the 1970s are over, we're past the peak <laughs> industrial age where being perfect at one thing is all you need in life. You know, now you got to be oh, really yeah. good and refined at one thing. And you got to have lateral skills that can translate to other professions and lines of work because, you know, making all of your income from one activity is just, that was something that really, there was a phenomenon from the industrial age and that really something that's, you know, normal. Like before then, you know, everybody was an entrepreneur, did lots of things. You didn't just have one job for life and nothing else. So we got to get back to that yes and attitude where, yes, I can sing and I can do this and I can do that. And, you know, really use the full palette of all that we have to offer the world. And if you like, if you take care of yourself, think about how much better you are to, op- you know, like if your finances are in order and you're, you've taken care of yourself, it's almost like you have more to offer your craft than if you just are struggling yeah. along. I think we like learn in history a lot that like when um, communities don't have their like resources that they need like they don't have food they don't have money they don't have all of these things then the arts cannot thrive in those situations and so if you are able to be financially stable your art will definitely be able to uh, do better than if you're a starving artist yeah and who really made it big by having an empty stomach at an audition you know even though we actually talk about it like that's a normal thing and it's not and you know there's I always tell people like those people behind the, they can tell that you're, they can almost smell your desperation and they know there's something that's not going to be right with casting you. So it's something you got to take care of yourself first and then, you know, be in a position to where you, you really know what you're auditioning for and you're auditioning for the right reasons because it's something you're authentically meant to do, not just you're getting whatever work you can for the sake of getting whatever work. Right. I have felt that before. I've been in an audition where I felt like, this is my last chance kind of thing, you know? And I feel like maybe since this feels like it's my last chance, I'll like really pull it out. But really, I just kind of shut down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't do my best work. Yeah, I've been there too. I've talked to a lot of singers who've made it pretty big. And they always say that their careers started like actually like getting going off and getting started when they started focusing on other things. And that kind of just kind of hit me. I was like, okay, I need to like not make singing my number one priority. And I need to not have to go into auditions being like, if I don't make this audition, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent because that just puts so much stress on you as a performer. And how can you be thinking about, you know, being sick and being me, me, if you can't pay your rent? Well, actually, maybe that yeah. actually would make sense. Maybe she could, can't maybe, pay her rent. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you can't like really get into character if you're hungry. Yeah. Unless, even being a beggar in Les Mis, you know, it's like they can tell or something like that. One yeah. of my best auditions actually happened when I had a salaried job. I went to right. the Midwest auditions in St. Louis that they do the big, huge uh, cattle call where all these companies, yeah. you know, in the middle of February. And I gave a knockoff audition and I got cast in a summer show. And, you know, because I was already in a safe, secure situation, you know, housing and food and all that stuff, and I could afford to do the travel for this audition and just put all my energy into just that audition and not think about anything else. Yeah. That's what I really did really well. Yeah. So let's go. Um, I understand that you do a lot of work with people changing their mindsets. And we've got this mindset that we've already established of I'm poor. I'm a poor artist. Um, 
But if we can help people to understand a better mindset or a different mindset, I understand that's some of the work that you do, then it really helps artists. Can you talk about changing that mindset and what other options are there? (laughs) You know, one of the books that I recommend, it's called The Science of Getting Rich. It was written by Wallace Waddles, published in 1910. And there's a lot of it's it's old, so you gotta you know put it in its place for when it was written. But one interesting line is a chapter on chapter five on increasing life and kind of have that perspective. And the first sentence is this: You must get rid of the last vestige of the old idea that there is a deity whose will it is that you should be poor or whose purposes may be served by keeping you in poverty. You know, like that's you know a sentence that like woke me up when I first read that because like it's this is not what I was told in my church or what I, what it felt like I was told right. at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the more we have, the more good we can do in the world. And, you know, there comes a point we do need to have, an, we don't have to be rich, filthy rich, but take care of ourselves and have enough so that we can actually, you know, do, explore ourselves and, you know, really pursue all that growth we're meant to pursue and, you know, keep on keeping on to do more. Yeah. And I think part of, you know, part of what I think one problem with college these days is like we go expecting it to give you a job and we don't go for the growth that we actually need that would really get us the job we're meant to have or do the other work to not need the job. Right. It's just kind of like a series of jumping through hoops and not actually gaining experience. And that's another thing too, is like one thing about being a performance major, for example, all three degree levels, you're not, it's like, there's not enough actual performing. It's kind of interesting. And even worse than (laughs) that, there's not enough. You're not really doing what you authentically want to do. You're doing what your teacher thinks, what you think your teacher will be happy with. You know, we're not always stepping into the kind of music we want to sing or even, you know, everything that we really could be doing. It's not, it doesn't really always foster that space to, you know, be more of what we actually want and really step into more of the greatness that's really, really meant to do. You talk a lot about authentic choices and what we feel like we should authentically do. Can you talk to us more about that? Yeah, one thing um, just is kind of interesting. I've never heard about the word authenticity really until I worked with my first coach and kind of realized, okay, what do I, why am I on this planet? What's my purpose? You know, we don't really get enough opportunities to really think about that. We're kind of just trying to check off all the boxes and get the degree and then, you know, be qualified for the next job and then call it a life, right? (laughs) You know, and there's so much more that can be done. And especially, you know, being an entrepreneur, you have to not be afraid to step into that purpose and really embrace that authenticity. So you can really, you know, do the, do the thing, do the selling that you're really most meant to sell, which I like to tell people, because that makes the sales process so much easier. You know, people trust you more and you're, you're doing what you're meant to do as opposed to doing what you think you have to do. I love that. That's so awesome. And I heard you say that um, the first authentic choice that you make is to even decide to sing. And then after that, you stop making authentic choices because then you just start doing what everyone tells you to do. (laughs) Yeah, it's like we want to get the career right. You know, we want that gatekeeper to bless us from the top down. (laughs) Yes. You know, we're we're kind of in a world now where it's like, you don't need to do that. You just need to build your own audience from the ground up and do what you most want to do and show your love for that. And the right people will follow you. And instead you're bringing to the gatekeeper, a huge crowd of people, and you're going to bang down that door if they don't let you in. You got to take that approach these days. (laughs) Absolutely. So creating our own opportunities, is that kind of. Got to not be afraid to build your own audience and connect to those people. And, you know, some people, a lot of people complain and there's some, you know, some problems with like payment for people for being in shows and so forth, especially, some things where it's like a big opera contract may not be t- as much today as it was you know, back in the 90s. But on the other hand, today, we do have more ways you can monetize your artistry. So, you know, it's it's almost like the Internet can't even it out if we're willing to just put in that kind of work and, you know, keep you know building those relationships with people who want to support us. 
So what are some of these other ways to monetize our artistry? Yeah, it, so for some people, it can be as simple as having a Patreon account, you know, or some kind mm -hmm. of subscriber, you know, on another website or something like that, where people who are fans of you can join, and they can, you know, pay and pay for certain things, whether it be, you know, recordings, you know, performances, or, you know, pay to like have individual talks with you to get to know you directly kind of a thing, you know, mm. and also create like other deliverables. There's like a website, substack.com that easily makes it so you can like do newsletters people will pay for if you can create some compelling content people are into. You know, there's just a lot of interesting ideas. I always tell people to get the side hustle Bible. That's another book I recommend because <laughs> there are just so many ideas for what you can do. You, okay. you can't get through that book without getting a new idea that will, you can monetize your artistry in some kind of new way that you wouldn't, might not have thought before. Oh my gosh. I'm like going on Amazon right now. To yeah. We kind of, ob <laughs> we think of like YouTube and then we're like, oh no, but everyone does YouTube. You know, it kind of feels overwhelming. Right. But there's, there's a lot of other yeah. options. Yeah. Although YouTube's great. Like one yeah. of my students, um, when I used to teach at university, one of my students now, he graduated last year and already has 6,000 followers on his page. Wow. And all he does is give commentary on Mariah Carey and so many <laughs> other amazing, you know, pop stars that he loves. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, you can, you know, as long as you create compelling content, you can really, and get, uh, get that following. It's like, instead of cash being king, it's like content's the king. And you just, with your phone, you can create it. So do you think that there's really enough work for all of us you know is there it's, there's seven billion people in the world there's there's someone you got to be able to be of service to there's always you know more to create like one person that i a guy named um, earl nightingale and i wrote about him in one of my recent blog posts but he was like kind of the dean of personal development like he's um born in he's born in the great depression and lived in a tent city actually in the great depression in la or in long beach and then was one of the 12 survivors i think on one of the ships that got bombed at pearl harbor and basically he went on to become a radio personality in Chicago and a TV broadcaster and uh, started his own personal development thing. And one of his biggest um, sayings was, we don't have to compete, we just have to create. And we just kind of can't be afraid to have that mantra, you know, run our lives as professional singers. Cause there's, there's so many audiences that want to hear us sing. We just gotta not be afraid to put ourselves out there and realize it's not necessarily gonna be the traditional industry gatekeeping pathway, but create your own pathway with, you know, wherever that audience is. Period. End of episode. That was amazing. Okay. <laughs> it's so exciting to think about that. My wife, her kind of mantra for this year has been searching for abundance because she's always mm -hmm. kind of, you know, been afraid of scarcity, that there's not enough food or there's not enough time or there's not enough money. And just recognizing that there's not like a limited number of dollar bills in this world. You know, yeah. or like there's not a limited number of talent or a limited amount of creativity. Definitely. Like with money, too, it's like in some ways it's like, you know, you need air, water and money to live. And so, you know, if money if you need money that badly, it has to be easy to get into your life in some way. And I think sometimes we get stuck in thinking the only traditional ways of going about our work. We don't realize other ways to bring the money into our lives. So we got to really keep our minds open to those other possibilities. But um you know, it's like, it's just a simple law of cause and effect. You create some kind of form of value and you make somebody, you know, don't make somebody, but you like create the, you create the value opportunity and the right people will come to you and pay for it. And as long as you're giving people more in use value than what you're getting in cash value, you can charge whatever you want. Yeah, we, we definitely, Mariah and I have talked about this before, just in our personal lives, like, okay, how much do we charge for voice lessons? Is that <laughs> too much? Is that enough? You're kind of feeling that stress. And that's one, I like to say that the voice lesson minimum wage should be a hundred or less. 
you know, and I think anybody at any degree level, whatever their qualifications with the right ideal client for you, you can create a value proposition that would make that person pay, you know, not make, but, you know, you could make them compel them to want to pay you that and honor and respect that. And I think one, especially with voice lessons, like so many of us had tenured professors who taught lessons on the side and they never charged the full value of what they probably should have over the years. So we're still stuck in that like 90s, you know, price range for a lot of us. And like my, my own professors, I should have paid them at least 100 for every lesson. And sometimes I only paid them 50. And right. then that normalized me only charging 50. And really, the, and what's really interesting is the more you charge, you're actually enabling the people you serve to also charge that much for their services later on. And sometimes the same day, you know, you can't be afraid of that. That is so interesting. I ha- always had teachers when I was like, you know, being molded as a young singer who would, you know, turn a, a one hour lesson into three hours for no extra charge. And my master's teacher never charges me for lessons ever. And so I think I, I've never really thought about this, but when I work with my students, I'm always wanting to give them as much of me as I can because people did that for me. But it's become extremely overwhelming as I'm trying to, you know, work as a voice teacher and as an artist, get my career off the ground. It's really difficult. And, you know, the teachers that I worked with were, you know, retired, basically. They were retired singers. That's all they had to do with their life. And... Yeah. And I want to give that much to my students, but it's extremely exhausting. Well, and, and we have both talked about feeling burnt out at times. Yeah. Right. Like there maybe there is an abundance of all these different resources, but there's really not an abundance of ourselves, of myself. You know, eventually <laughs> yeah. time is our only scarce yeah. resource really in the end. Yeah. And I think one thing like when I like work with people who are voice teachers, like create a package of offerings so that even you know, you don't necessarily feel like you have to keep giving your time because you're giving a curation of other stuff to go along to supplement the teaching. And it's almost like you're doing a college tuition kind of model as opposed to the hourly rate model. And I think partly, you know, there's, you know, we're kind of stuck. The the whole idea of an hourly wage never existed until the industrial age. You know, before then people, you know, paid whatever was the appropriate wage. So it can sometimes we're stuck thinking that we're only worth a certain wage of our time, even though, you know, the value of a voice lesson can, you know, it's it's worth you know it's it's priceless. It can even one lesson can worth the rest of your be worth you know something that could be thousands or yeah. more. You can make a case for that. Like I'm looking back, one of the first lessons I had where I sang a high B flat as a baritone for the first time in my life. I only paid fifty dollars when <laughs> I should have paid hundreds, you know, or maybe right. thousands, just because I otherwise never would have had the next lessons where I could sing that high. So I think part of it's just you know know your audience and the ideal clientele and you know being able to serve the right you know have the right value proposition to people that you have the right relationship with. You know, the, it's kind of we're not commodities. We got to remember that that you know we have our own individual uniqueness and our own greatness that we can offer and create value that anybody, you know, at the right opportunity who is looking for what you have to offer will pay the right price. And we can't be afraid to charge more because one positive aspect of like all the devaluation and you know the disrespect the arts seem to have gotten over the years is like there's so many people who really have no idea what the heck they should pay. So yeah. when in doubt, like you can usually charge more. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about this business side of our singing and, you know, asking for a good wage and and things like that. I also want to ask you about personal finance and um, what are a few steps that singers can consider to start getting their personal finances in order? One thing I, and I tweet about this, and I think uh, what uh, originally why I'm on your show is you retweeted my tweet. And, you know, I try and Jim Rohn back in the day gave a seminar and he gave a simple formula where you get in the habit of spending, try and, try and spend only 70% of what you earn 
and then take the remaining 30%, take 10% that you set aside into your retirement and your investment accounts that, you know, save for, you know, the later on another 10% that you go back to invest in yourself, invest in your business, pay for that coach, pay for your lessons, whatever it is, you know, keep invest in your own personal growth as, you know, as a person, as an artist or your mental health, your wellness, whatever it is. And then that final 10% get in the habit of being charitable and giving hmm. and, you know, it's easier to give $10 out of a hundred than, you know, 10,000 out of a hundred thousand, but you got to, you know, get in the habit now when the dollar amounts are small. And then, you know, that doesn't mean you have to give all your money to a specific charity. Like right. another thing to do is there's so many people right now that need help that can't qualify necessarily for unemployment or the other grants and so forth. Like there are only so many people getting a lot of those things. Whereas there, you know, we might, we might know people we need right now who need help that we can always help and then trust that that will pay forward and it will come back and help you. And, you know, keep on growing together because we're all, it's like, you know, money is kind of like fire in some ways. It's like lighting another candle. You know, you just need to, yes. you know, that light up and then people can get back on path, on track to making more. Yes. Yeah. And as you make more, you know, I would just add that you can continue to save more or to, you know, there, or to invest more, you know, there's, you may start small, but there's so much potential for your money as you continue to work and continue to grow. It's amazing. Yeah. And really the way our financial system's set up, it's like money is meant to be in circulation. You know, when mm, you hoard the physical right? cash, it decreases in value over time. So it's like you you want to, you know, and in some ways, you know, I wrote a blog post earlier this month about inflation because whenever the party out of power, you know, it always like stokes that fear when a big bill is passed by the government, you know, regardless of your politics, both sides do it. Mm-hmm. And even though just over the years, it's just the past hundred years, especially the way our economy works, just the value of the dollar is slowly depreciated. And it just induces investing and encourages people to spend as opposed to hoarding money. So a, a reasonable amount of it actually can be healthy, despite what some talking heads like to say to scare you into, you know, buying such and such that you don't necessarily need. But, right. you know, it's, matter of setting up you know to invest your money and mm-hmm, don't be, mm-hmm. and, and spending and so forth mm-hmm. and, a, and a reasonable amount of it's just you know part of it's we can't be afraid to charge more and i think that's one thing is we haven't necessarily kept up over the years i definitely can see how you could bring a lot of value to a singer in their business um I feel like there's this wealth of information that we just barely started tapping into here. (laughs) Yeah. It's just when you think there's enough, there's always more, there's always a new perspective and new issues that come up over the time. So there's definitely, it's like a never ending growth kind of thing, especially being an entrepreneur as an artist too, or really any kind of entrepreneur. It's an, it's an ongoing growth journey. So you're always learning more and growing more. It's, it's really a lifelong learning thing. It's not a go to school and get your degree and you get your job and and you call it a life. Yes, which is what I think a lot of us thought it would be. So, Brian. Our parents uh, told us that. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brian, how can our listeners find you if they're like listening today and they're like, yes, I need this in my life? Where can they reach out to you to work with you? Yeah, my website's thelucrativeartist.com, all one word. And I'm also have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash thelucrativeartist. I'm an Instagram handle is thelucrativeartist. And also Twitter, it's lucrative art because somebody somehow took my full, <laughs> the full name years ago, even though it's an inactive account. Oh, I hate and, um, that. You know, yep. And my, my email address is brian at the lucrativeartist.com. Anybody's welcome to contact me at any time. And long story short, you know, I offer you know, services helping people figure out you know, what they're going to be doing as far as entrepreneurs and you know, what, what kind of you know, services they want to offer that supplements their singing as opposed to just their singing. Like, some people don't want to be voice teachers. So what do you want to do instead? 
Like yeah. there's other forms of service you can render beyond just that. So I help people tap into that to figure that out. And then I take more experienced entrepreneurs down the whole getting better with sales and you know, especially sales sounds so icky just hearing the yes. word, you know, mm-hmm. and we don't know how to have a conversation that's not feeling awkward because, you know, the only entrepreneurs that knock on our doors that we like are the Girl Scouts. Anybody else, you know, we hate Amen. them. We, we slam on the door. I just bought six boxes yesterday. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> I need to, I haven't had anyone knock on my door yet. I haven't either. I found it on Instagram. <laughs> But helping people though, like just figure out how to have that authentic conversation without feeling yes. awkward and realize you're not you're not changing a no to a yes. You're just helping people get the clarity so that they can know whether or not you're right for them, and then they can refer you to other people. That's how you really turn the no's to yeses because you know we're in a new era where it's not like it's not about you know you know like the the previous century, especially you know sales is all about you know getting as much as possible no matter what you know, and now it's a different kind of world where people can smell a sale from miles away. Yeah. So. It's almost like with even I'm going to work on my own podcast pretty soon and you don't want to have any actual stuff you want to promote. You want to just give the content and that's it. And then let that take care of itself. And then if people want to talk to you, but when you, when you're getting all salesy and selling stuff, you know, it gets kind of annoying and people hate advertisements. They just want to be treated as a normal human, you know? So it's what it's all about. Yep. Brian, here's a singing question. Do you have a role (laughs) that you would, what's like your dream role? That's a, I knew you're going to ask that because I listened to a few more episodes <laughs> this morning. And like right now with COVID, my dream role is just to do Papageno again, maybe mm. with an opera company again. You know. And uh, another one of my dream role I haven't had a chance to do, I'd love to do is like the dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. <laughs> that was always a fun one. Now I that I'm getting on the Shop. older side, you know, it's like I have more freedom to not worry about the romantic parts and I can do the more character roles. So it's pretty fun. Oh, that's and amazing. Then, then maybe, you know, um, Javert and La Mer, Les Mis, instead of Marius, which I last did. Thank you again, Brian. Um, just to our listeners, even if you feel busy or worried about time, just remember that this investment in yourself, whether it's your health, your emotional health, your finances, or your business aspect of your singing, all of that can provide more for you to do better singing. Yes, you guys are powerful and creative and you don't need anyone's permission to be in control of your finances. You're capable of providing for your own needs and so much more if you start small and stay consistent. So stop waiting in the wings. The world needs your voice. So go out there and take the stage. In Boca Lupo. Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material. 